Well, good morning. Man, it's a joy to have everyone here today, North Campus, South Campus, our online family. We're just here to encourage each other to take our next step with Jesus, man. So good, I'm going to start with the confession. You ready? I have a tendency to be a bit of an ingrate. Uh, really, I don't mean to be, but I struggle with gratitude. Now, I could blame it on my personality, like the way God wired me. So like if you did the Enneagram, and I, I know there's been some debate about the Enneagram, and maybe it has satanic origins. I actually don't believe that. I appreciate people being concerned about that. I just don't buy into that. But in the Enneagram, this kind of popular thing going around today, I am a one. A one is either labeled as a perfectionist or a reformer. Either way, the weakness of a one is that nothing is ever good enough. So my whole life I'm looking at things and how we can make it better, what needs to improve, what is not in life, and I struggle with celebrating what is. But I've dealt with a lot of people in my life and interacted a lot, and I've discovered it's not just ones on the Enneagram that struggle with gratitude. It seems like that most people I know will say, man, I'm just not grateful enough. And we could say it's part of living in our society, and there's probably some truth in that. We are a part of a consumer economy, and a part of a consumer economy, there's this thing out there that you maybe know about called advertising. And advertising is spending lots of money very creatively just to get one thing out of us, discontent. To look at what we don't have and to try to convince us that if we purchase a new product or a new experience or the like, that it will somehow meet a foundational need in our life. And that advertising strikes us thousands of times every day, always breeding disconnect. And you add to that this thing called social media and the comparison that comes with social media. Because what people do is that we post the photoshopped highlights of our lives, but kind of pretend like that's the norm of our life. And then what happens is the rest of us look at your highlights that are photoshopped and we kind of begin to think that that's the norm and we compare our normal life to your highlighted life and we think, oh, my life's not like that. Like my body could never look like that. Well, neither does theirs. It's photoshopped. But either way, we think that. My time with my kids is just never that sweet. It's just never, my vacations are never that perfect, never so exciting and so peaceful. I mean, you get what I say. But, I don't even think we can blame it on our society. Because when I delve beyond that and I look into the Bible, there's this call in scripture over and over and over again to gratitude. Like this command to be grateful. The apostle Paul was writing to first century followers of Jesus. So think first century, 2000 years ago, not a consumeristic economy like we have, no mass media advertising, no social media like we know, yet he wrote not to one church, but to almost every church he wrote to, followers of Jesus, words like this. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him, or to the church in Ephesus, always. Somebody shout always. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. To the church in Thessalonica, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, just notice, it says give thanks in, not for. Like when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're probably not grateful for the valley of the shadow of death. Now, I will challenge because of the presence of the Lord in the valley of the shadow of death for which we can be thankful. Someday we'll actually be grateful for the valley. But when you're going through the valley, you're probably not grateful. 
But we can be grateful that we are not alone, that he is with us, his rod and his staff may comfort us. We can be grateful because we know that God is at work in all things for the good of those who love him. Give thanks in all circumstances. And I could go on and on with scripture after scripture, and it just tells us we're not the first people, we're not the first society ever to struggle with gratitude. It seems, and I'm just suggesting, that ingratitude is the result of sin. That the fruit of depravity is the struggle with thankfulness. Given the emphasis in Scripture on thankfulness, and I'm going to challenge that everything God calls us to in Scripture is for our good. Given the emphasis on gratitude in the Bible, it should not surprise us that social scientists of the 21st century are actually discovering that gratitude is immensely good for us. It does something for us. Like they're finding that gratitude opens the doors for more relationships. Grateful people tend to have more friendships and stronger friendship. And if you think about it, it makes sense. I mean, no one likes being around a whiny honey, right? But we love being around people who are grateful. Gratitude improves physical health. Did you know people with an overall attitude of gratitude actually exercise more? See, you don't have a discipline issue. You don't have a gym issue. You have a gratitude issue. We tend to be people who make better decisions about our health. We don't feel aches and pains when we walk in a spirit of thankfulness. Gratitude improves our psychological health. It reduces harmful emotions like jealousy, frustration, and regret. Gratitude en enhances empathy. It reduces aggression in life. One study I read actually said that grateful people are more likely to behave, and I love the phrase, in pro-social manners. That sounds like a nice way of saying people who are grateful are not as much of a jerk as those who are, are not grateful in life. Grateful people sleep better. Don't have to say much more about that, do I? Gratitude improves our self-esteem. Thankfulness actually creates this ability that I can celebrate with other people. The Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice. And most of the time we struggle with that because when someone else is receiving a blessing of God, I can look at them and say, well, I'm at least as spiritual as they are. I've sacrificed more or given more. Why not me, God? But when we are grateful in life and we have that overall attitude in life, then we can rejoice with those who rejoice. And gratitude increases mental strength. It lowers personal stress. It helps us overcome trauma. They did a study on people who went through 9-11 in New York City, and they discovered those who had an overriding attitude of thankfulness actually had far greater resilience, a far greater ability to handle that. Did you know that gratitude, when we express gratitude, it releases chemicals in our brain? There are happy chemicals and uh, mood-stabilizing chemicals known as dopamine and serotonin. And gratefulness actually releases that in our life. I'm just telling you, listen to me. Gratitude is flat-out good for us. It's almost as if God knew how good it was for us when he commanded it to it for us again and again. But, like most things that are really good for us, you notice they don't happen naturally. Like you have an enemy that's working against you. Like most things that are really, really good for us, gratitude doesn't just happen. We've got to do it on purpose. Say purpose. You've got a purpose in life. Gratitude must be purposed and practiced. It is why throughout the Psalms you have statements like this. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It doesn't say think so. It doesn't say keep it in your head. It says say so. Our words, the Bible says the tongue has the power of life and death in it. Our words. When we verbalize them, I'm going to challenge in song 
or in the spoken word, and they come from our hearts, it actually produces a power to move into the abundant life Jesus has for you and I. It might be one of the reasons that God commands us corporately to worship together. Every weekend when we get together, we're singing these songs of worship. It might just be that those songs of gratitude, thanksgiving, and praise to God are actually God's gift to you and I when we let them flow from our heart and we just don't go through the routine of it to empower us to the abundance he has to our life. So I have a simple challenge for us. In four weeks, we're gonna have what we call Easter. I think it's five weeks if I think about it. We have Easter Sunday. You heard of it? It's when believers around the world take a special weekend to emphasize the crucial event of human existence. There will never be a greater event until Jesus comes back than the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we are going to spend some time celebrating that. My challenge is between now and that Sunday that we purpose gratitude in our hearts. Between now and Easter Sunday, what if each of us purposed every day to be grateful? Now, don't just nod your head right now and say, hey, that'd be a good idea. I hope I can remember to do that. No, 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 no. We are going to purpose to be grateful. We are going to purpose to verbalize to our friends, our coworkers, those that we go to school with, uh, family members, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, what we are grateful for. And so to purpose it, you probably have to do things to remind yourself. Like most of you carry around this thing called a smartphone. It's actually smarter than I am, I believe. And it has a thing called a reminder or an alarm, and you can actually set it. If you're struggling to know what that is, it means you're over 50 like me, get your grandkids to help you. They can show you at age three how to set an alarm on your phone. What if you just set an alarm twice a day, three times a day? And it just went off, and you practiced some gratitude in that moment. You say, well, I don't know what to do. What if you just say, thank you, God? for something very specific in your life? What if you use that phone that'll also send messages to people and you wrote a text to somebody who's a friend and express gratitude for what they have brought into your life? And if you say, well, David, I'm gonna run out of things real quick, then what you can do when that alarm goes off is say, God, you need to open my eyes to all the things you've blessed my life with because I'm not seeing them like I should. I have fallen prey to the spirit of the age, the mass media advertising that tells me to be discontent, the social media comparison that tells me to look at what I don't have in life. I have fallen prey to that and I am missing. Help me remember all that you have done and all the things that you are producing in my life. I'm telling you, you say, maybe I don't like that. You can go old school, baby. I don't care. You do you, boo, however it works for you. You get after it. Maybe you want to just go old school sticky notes, man. Put them everywhere. Get those sticky notes, stick them on your steering wheel, stick them on your bathroom mirror, do whatever. Just say, be grateful. Remind yourself to do that. You can write notes to yourself on your mirrors. I, I could care less. Whatever works for you between now and Easter, let's purpose and let's practice what the Scripture says. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Well, that's what we're going to do the rest of the morning. We're going to celebrate what God is doing among us. I wish I had time to celebrate everything, but it's actually an impossibility. Not every year, but many years, I stand up here and through numbers and testimonies share with you some of the things that God is doing among, you, among us. And there's a part of me that wrestles with it. And the reason I wrestle with it is I don't want us to fall prey to pride or I don't want to be braggadocious, but I want to be really honest with you. I know intimately how weak and imperfect and frail we are as a church. Remember, I'm a one. 
I'm a perfectionist, man. So I'm looking all the time at all the stuff we can do better, all the things we can improve upon, all those kind of things. I want to let you know, we do not have it all together at Beltway Park. We are nowhere close to it. And don't look at me all spiritual. Like, well, that may be true of the church. It ain't true for me. I know better than that. It's not my first rodeo. I've dealt with a lot of people in life, and I want you to hear, though, in the midst of being frail, imperfect, having a lot of struggles, things that need to improve, there's a promise of God. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? Weakness. And he goes on to say, so if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast all the more of my weaknesses so the power of God can be demonstrated in me. That is us. Unequivocally, I tell you, anything that is happening at Beltway Park that is bringing hope and life to people is not because of us, but it is because of his grace and his power. And so what we want to do, hear me, I want gratitude to well up in us for what he is doing. And so we're going to use some numbers called an annual report. You can look it up online and see it in more details. We're gonna use some testimonies to give thanks for what God is doing. But remember, as I throw out these numbers, there's something we say all the time around Beltway Park. Every number has a name. Every name has a destiny. And every one of those destinies matters to God. A year ago, I, a gentleman that I knew for a while, we got married and I moved to Kentucky, took my daughter. While we were up there in March, we went into May and I had a stroke. Uh, we weren't sure what was going on. Me and my husband at the time were fighting a lot. When we got to the hospital, we went to five different hospitals and I found out that the stroke was caused to a hole about a big in my heart. Um, while I was in rehab up there, he asked for a divorce. So we were only married a few months. Uh, my whole family was back here in Texas. My mom and them drove overnight to come get my daughter. I did a few rehab time there, and then they flew me back on an airplane so I could be back home with my family. I was not able to move the left side of my body for several months. Um, I also had a car that I took up there. Uh, we traded it in, and his mom bought me one, but when I moved, I couldn't take the car with me. So I was basically starting from ground zero. Um, it was a big life change and it crushed me. There was a lot going on in that time. We went to church one morning and they took me down for prayer. They prayed for me for about an hour. Uh, three days later, all my feeling came back on my left side. Yeah, it was amazing. I was able to get my license. I was able to get able to go back to work. At the time, I was driving my Popal's truck, which was not very dependable. It was barely standing with its wheels. Um, had no AC, no air conditioner, and it was hard. Half the stuff didn't work in there, and I had a toddler. I did that for a few months, was able to finally get a job, and then around Christmas, we found out that my daughter had a brain tumor and some other stuff going on with her. We just recently found out that she does not have a brain tumor. Um, they said that there is some white matter going on in her brain and we're still praying and speaking over that being healed and we have an appointment this month to find out. I grew up in a Christian home. I have faith in God and I was losing my faith. I was losing myself. Like I just didn't think nothing was gonna good come from this anymore. Like I was giving up. And my mom mentioned about Beltwell Garage, how they can help families and 
I was like, yeah, well, let's do it. I never get help on that stuff, but it's okay. I'm always a giver. I have a big heart. And then one day I get a call that I get a car and it literally changed my life. Just that brought my confidence back. It brought my faith back. It brought everything back and knowing that there is still good in the world and God is working no matter what you think. And it's always on his time and not yours. So I'm still learning and I'm still growing and the car has been great. It's nice to have some freedom and not feeling like I'm being pinned down in one four walls. So when I tell you that we have an auto garage that simply seeks to show the love of Jesus by helping with a practical need like basic car repair. And it, sir, it happens because people take a skill and ability and serve. And I tell you that we had 374 families that we served this year. 11 cars were donated by you to the auto garage. The auto garage went through those cars, made them as good as we can make them, and then we gave them to somebody in need. When I tell you numbers like that, remember every number has a name, and you saw Rachel. Rachel has a destiny. And that destiny matters to the Almighty, and that's why we do what we do. That's why we have an autograph. That's why we do our weekend services. We have a plus Thursday service that starts off our weekend because we know there's people who work on the weekends. There's people who are traveling on the weekends. And we think corporate worship as much as possible in person. Well, we love our online family because that's all around the world. That's a great option as well. But we love having it on plus Thursday and Sunday. So there's 4,404 people who show up at our five weekend services on an average basis around Beltway Park. Almost 2,400 people are with us all around the world online joining us in our worship service. I'm going to tell you that number we believe is very conservative. Listen to me. We believe that the hope of the world is tied to what we contain and what we have in the church. We carry the ultimate hope of the world. And so we want to be who we are. We want to empower others. Three years ago, our elders received a download from God that we have a vision to continue to expand what he's doing among us. We call it our 2030 vision. I've given you an access to it online uh, on the sermon notes. Um, one of those dreams among six things God gave us is we wanted to help start five churches that could be somewhat like Beltway Park to areas of the world that don't have churches as much, uh, don't have the same number of churches. So far, we've actually helped partner to start four churches already that are going on right now. Listen to me, it's incredible. We have the Hills Community Church, um, one of our former youth from days gone by. Brian and his wife Amy have started in San Marcos in the San Diego area of California. They're one of the only churches in a community of well over 25,000 people. We have another former staff member, um, Jeremy and Carol Lee West, who are in the uh, growing area of Dallas, Antioch Lake Cities Church. We have a new church that's starting this fall in the Tampa Bay, Florida. Some of you are saying, hey, you're going coastal, dude. I am. Next church plants in Hawaii. That way I have to start visiting, I have to start doing that. We're gonna have some cool places to start churches where they need them. Anyway, um, you need to look at Rude Church is like the utter opposite of me, man. Uh, they, they, they're like a bunch of hip hop people, like literally, like hip hop artists, hip, I didn't even know, like they were throwing out names of people they knew. I, I knew not one hip hop artist. Uh, at all, but they were awesome. They love Jesus, and they're going to start this fall. And we started last year. Uh, again, we're partnering with other churches to make this happen. A great church in the greater Miami area called History Makers Church. And with that, the 2022 season comes to an end. Good night.
History Makers Church is the dancingest church I have ever been a part of in my life, man. I got to go um, preach in November, and I tried. I did. I tried to participate. They said, Pastor, we're going to have to lay hands on you and give you some rhythm, man. And I said, I don't need rhythm. I just need y'all to keep reaching people for Jesus, and we will take care of it. And we in Abilene, we're part of that. God made me a promise 25 years ago that he would take a no-name church on the edge of a no-name city of the world that sits between three cow pastures. He would touch the world for eternity. Now we have two of those campuses that sit between cow pastures, used to anyway, and he's touching the world. Man, I'm so grateful for that, but it's not just other places, it's here. We saw in 2022, 411 people confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior through baptism um, this year at Beltway Park. It's incredible. And our elders, keep going, our elders have a dream that by 2030 we'll see 4,000 people. Since 2020, we've had almost 900 people make that confession of faith at Beltway Park. You're seeing, believe it or not, we're seeing almost 40 of them, I think, 39 or 40 who are doing so today, this weekend at all of our services here. Around our church on a weekly basis, we, we love kids. We have 2,426 kids on average that are part of all the things that we do here. That is 4,800 set of grubby little hands that are all over every wall, every floor, every piece of glass. We are wonderfully dirty all the time, tearing stuff up. If we have to tear up buildings so that 2,426 kids can know Jesus Christ, I'll give all the money we have to give to make that kind of stuff happen. It, it is incredible. They come after school. They come in the summer. We have an after-school program that has 368 kids registered. Praise God they don't show up all every day. Um, we couldn't handle them all, but they, a lot of them show up. We have 441 in the summer. Our foster and adoption ministry served 111 um, foster and adopted kids this year. It's amazing. We have right now, and you know, we, we'll have between 20 and 30 foster families at any time. We're praying for that to be more. We have 21 licensed family. We have 18 teams that wrap around those families. So I had a lady come up to me after the first service and just say, thank you. They moved in from out of town. They had been foster families before, and they said, we just always done it ourselves. And we get here, and people find out, and they put this team of people around us, and they start babysitting. They start having meals and all. She said, I feel guilty that I have so much support and so much help. That's the way the body of Christ is supposed to operate right there. It is a phenomenal thing. Did you know, um, they counted up, um, we've had 441 foster kids come through Beltway Park in the last 10 years. They who have gone through very traumatic places have a chance to know of the hope and the life that Jesus has for them, that he can restore and redeem what's going on. And part of our 2030 vision is that we will mobilize the church. Hear me, how many churches are there in Abilene? How many churches are there in the big country? How many churches are there in the world? Jesus only has one bride. 
We're just a part of that. We want to mobilize the various facets of the church to take care of every foster kid that rises up in the big country. We're prayerful that we can resolve the issues to keep foster from needing to happen. But when it does, we want a spirit-filled, Christ-centered home in their community that will be able to take care of them. Guys, we have so many various ways that we seek um, to just show the love of Jesus in practical ways. We have our benevolence ministry. We help 427 families with practical needs such as uh, just bills. In addition to that, we handed out air conditioners. If y'all remember, last summer was extremely hot, and we handed out like 140 air conditioners to families who had needs of that, just to show the love of Jesus Christ. But we don't just give them something. If they want to, they're not pushed into it, but if they want to talk, if they want counsel, if they want prayer, we are there to do that. We have our boots on the ground ministry that helps in home repair, helps build ramps, they build um, beds for um, those who need them, especially for foster care and things such as that. They do an incredible job. They serve 328 families. When we had our freeze, y'all remember that? And when our city needed to mobilize a team to help take care of the houses that were affected by the freeze. Guess who it was? It's these guys. And they were just out there arranging all sorts of stuff to happen. We have a food pantry. So every month we ask you to bring food, drop it in the fountain, drop it in the baskets, whatever the case may be. We helped 1,454 families um, last year with those needs in their life. And all that happens because there's men and women such as yourself that are willing to give. 2,100 people served on one of our serve teams at least one time last year to help minister the heart of Jesus to thousands. I moved to Abilene in uh, September of 2016, and I just kind of asked the Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, put me, you've moved me over here, now tell me what you want me to do. And immediately it, it opened up uh, Avenue to do the food pantry because I had the people interaction. I was able to um, share Jesus. You know, the people that come to the food pantry, they think they are coming to receive a blessing, but we receive the blessing when we're talking to them, hear their stories. People are, they're, they're hurting and they really want someone to talk to. And uh, so it's very rewarding to get to pray with them, to share Jesus with them. And we have seen um, salvations out at, on the parking lot at their cars. Uh, we have seen healing. And there are always a uh, real hunger, I'll say, for prayers. Uh, we have uh, prayed over people for healing. And they have come back later and said, you know, that when they did the MRI or whatever they had you know, whatever their problem was, if it was cancer or whatever, that, uh, that that spot was no longer there. We have people that have come through the food pantry that are now attending Beltway. And there is a couple that I know that were uh, coming here, and they are now volunteering uh, in the church. Uh, God is always moving in the food pantry. You know, we just try to be the hands and feet of Jesus. When the scripture says you're more blessed to give than to receive, the word of God's true. Here, just a side note. When I throw out a number like 2,100 on our serve team, you might think, well, wow, they got this covered well. Please hear me, we don't. The call God has on us is massive. I, I get senses sometimes what the Lord wants to do through us, 
and I get so overwhelmed, I think the Spirit of God says, okay, you had enough. I'll take care of it, but you can't handle any more of that because it overwhelms my brain of trying to figure out how to do it. The way it's going to happen is because 2,000 needs to become 4,000. It needs to become 5,000. All I'm telling you is you are needed because of the dreams that God wants to give us until the big country is reached for Jesus. We are going to need people who do that because each year we try to show a lot of practical ways of just show people the love of Jesus Christ. We actually try to count them because one of our dreams is, man, we want everybody in the big country to have the possibility of a gospel touch. Now, for that to happen, we probably need to double or triple the number of gospel touches to the population just to have a chance at everyone. But we know that we had almost 138,700 points of service, points of contact. It'd be our um, walk to Bethlehem uh, at Christmas time, food pantry, all the kind of stuff that we do. We also do twice a year, we do the We Love Our City Serve Weeks. And so we invite you, your groups, or just individuals to get together in groups to find ways to serve our community. You can do that. It's a one-time way that you can serve. It's going to come up at the end of the month, and it's going to give us opportunities to invite a lot of people to Easter so that they can hear about the hope and life of Jesus Christ. I want you, if you're part of a group, get your group to say, let's find a way to serve. We'll facilitate as a, our our Groups team will help facilitate the ways that can happen. Or you can just join in with the team. We'll put people together and say, let's go serve one time during that week and show our city we love them. Amen? So what do you do with thousands of people who need to be cared for, who need to grow in Jesus? Well, we create community. So we had 445 adult groups that happened throughout the years that people could be a part of and say, man, I want to be in community where we help one another, we encourage one another, we love one another, we help one another grow. And then we have our teenagers that can be in groups. We have our kids that can be in groups. It is incredible what we do. And then we also pull away. We have four camp experiences. We have man camp, woman camp, teen camp, and kid camp. And I am just telling you, God moves in those places. At our man camp, we call it boot camp, there was 439 men who went. And I would say, somebody, some people say, man, you guys go on men's retreat, all you want to do is get away your families from a weekend and chew the fat. I am just telling you, that is nowhere close to boot camp. If you're not ready to go deep with Jesus and push deep into the mess of your life, you don't want to show up at boot camp. But if you want to receive something of God, if you want to be set free from um, things in your life, I'm telling you, boot camp is a place for you men. That same thing happens in our women's release retreat. That's coming up. We had 474. And some of the reasons for these numbers is we can't find camps big enough to really host a lot more. Like if you're a lady thinking go on a release retreat, we're about full. So I would just encourage you, get online today, sign up and be a part of it. With our teens, we had 581 teens and serve team that went to camp. Come on, they dogged the rest of us um, because they found a bigger camp that they could be a part of. Uh, it's incredible that we have well over 100 serve team who will give up a week. Not give up a week. That's the wrong way to say it. They will invest a week of their time into the lives of young men and young women because I'm just telling you right now, I am confident there's a move of God coming in our country. A big one, and it's going to happen in this generation. It's going to happen in a nameless, faceless generation, no stars, and God's going to move because there's a hunger being birthed in that generation and the one below it. We're going to be part of it. We had 487 go to our kids' camp, 376 kids, 111. It takes like a one-to-four ratio with little kids, man, and we go deep into Jesus. And all of this happens because of you. Because you give. You give of your time. You give of the abilities that God has given you. But you also trust us with financial resource. 
And I can't even begin to tell you how grateful I am that you trust us. I mean, I, I promise you, I mean, we have good financial practices. I mean, we, we, we do everything. We have an audit come in every year. We hold to high standards. We want to use every dollar to affect a life. I just want God to take something as neutral as money, and I want him to take that and turn that into eternity for individuals. And I just want to tell you thank you for being willing to invest because what we are allowed to do around the world is incredible. Last year, we gave as a church in our general offering $12,600,000 um, for the sake of the gospel around the world. And I'm just telling you, we're seeking you. I know that's a big number, a really big number in my world. Um, but we get to do incredible things. Like part of our 2030 vision is um, we knew that some gaps in our community, one gap in our community is there's not near enough counseling for children and teens. And so we said, let's go start a counseling center. How do you start counseling centers? $12,600,000. Because the numbers are big. We need a daycare for those of low income and spaces for foster kids because one of the things that keeps foster kids from staying in their community is lack of daycare for families who wants to take them. Half of foster kids that come in our region, I think about half are under the age of five. So you can imagine a family wants to host them in the community, but both parents work. They have no place to put their kids because if you've tried to find daycare lately. And so we're trying to create a model where we can do all that. So our elders stepped out in faith about a year and a half ago, and we purchased a building. Knowing God had told us to do this, we purchased a building on South 23rd and Willis. Been a great church in our community for a lot of time called Brook Hollow Christian Church. They no longer could take care of the facility, wanted it used for the glory of God, so we gave them some money so they could continue on in another location. We took that building, we gutted it, and now we've been stalled in the planning stage. And it has been amazingly frustrated for a one on the Enneagram um, to be stalled at this level. But I got good news for you guys. All our plans are done. The city has approved them. All so grateful for our city. We started last Monday, like actually building on this boy. We are hopeful by the end of the year, we are functional from a building standpoint. We'll still have a lot of ministry to do and stuff like that. I'm just going to tell you straight up. Well, I'd say it this way. You may have experienced that some things are costing a little bit more money right now than they did like two years ago when we bought a building. Get in the construction world. And this thing went way up in price. Amazingly, through you, we have everything we need to actually finish the project um, utterly debt-free because of your faithfulness and what you've done. Isn't that incredible? Now! I want you to hear me. It's going to take like almost everything we have. Now, I'm not crying out broke. I'm just saying whatever savings we were putting away, all that kind of stuff, it's getting close to spent. So if you think, man, they've got all this, they don't need me, lie. Because of what God's called us to do, I could spend double this. Not on me, by the way. Well, I don't think I could spend that much money on me but for the sake of what God wants to do in the world because we are committed not just to be doing things for us. We commit money to outside partners. We have 95 ministry partners around the world. And so we committed in 2022 34% of that money. So we gave $5.85 million to what we call missions and outreach out of that $12 million. And so we are supportive of what God's doing around the world. So missions 
is what we give to our ministry partners. Outreach is what we are doing in our community to show love, and we dedicated all that in addition to doing church. Is that not incredible? Come on now. One of our local ministry partners, by the way, is a group called Men of Nehemiah. These guys are over here. Give a shout out to the Men of Nehemiah at our South Campus. Yeah. They are a residential recovery and discipleship ministry. And um, their director came to me the other day and said, hey, we want to baptize some guys, and we want to know if you would let us do it in one of the services. And I said, well, let me think about that. Yes! Of course you can baptize your guys here. So we did it in the first service. We baptized 12, I think, in the first service. And I think we got another, I don't know how many, I don't care. They keep lining up to get baptized. Praise God. And so Nathan's going to take us through again. We're going to baptize some more. Come on, let's celebrate. Come on, come on. So we have Gary Dukes coming down, and he's going to be baptizing each of these guys and just so thankful to see the new life that God's doing in each of them. Come on. So first up, we have Chase McCoy. Have you confessed Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life? Come on. And with the power and help of the Holy Spirit, are you going to live for God for the rest of your life? All right, based on that confession, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come on, come on. <laughs> it's getting rowdy over here. Woo. All right, now we got Brian Smith. Brian, have you confessed Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life? And are you saying, I'm not doing things in my own strength, and I need God to live for him for the rest of my life? Come on. Based on that confession, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's go. Woo. Let's go. Dude, this is amazing. <laughs> I love it. All right, Gary Lee, coming down. <laughs> Gary, have you confessed Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life? Come on, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, are you going to follow him for the rest of your life? Based on that confession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Woo. All right. Andy. Andy Evans coming to be baptized. Have you confessed Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life? Come on. With the power of the Holy Spirit, are you going to follow him the rest of your life? Based on that confession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, we have Sean Kavanaugh coming to be baptized. Sean, I just want to say, I was uh, when I was talking to you backstage, man, I just... I see the love of God in your eyes, bro. He's filling you up, and, you're, I, and I know you're pouring his love into other people, man. I'm so pumped for you. Have you confessed Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life? And with the power and help of the Holy Spirit, are you going to live for him for the rest of your days? Come on. Based on that confession, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Let's go, dude. Let's go. All right, next we have Alfredo De La Cruz. Come on. Have you confessed Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life? Come on. With the power and help of the Holy Spirit, 
Are you going to follow him for the rest of your life? All right. Well, based on that confession, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. All right, Rashiki. Rashiki Bailey is coming. Come on, bro. <laughs> Rashiki, if you confess Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, and with his power and his help, are you going to live for God the rest of your days? Come on. Based on that confession, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, we have Mike Dykes coming down. Oh, whoa, let's go, dude. This is the best day of church I've ever had in my whole life. All right, have you confessed Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life? And with his power and his help, are you going to live for him for the rest of your life? Forever. Based on that confession, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, England Andrews. Oh, boy. Whoa. Dude. All right, England, have you confessed Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life? And with the power and help of the Holy Spirit, are you going to live for him for the rest of your days? Based on that confession, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come on, dude. All right, we got Aaron Matz coming. Aaron, have you confessed Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life? And with his help and his power, are you going to live for him the rest of your days? Well, based on that confession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come on. All right, we have Miguel Carmono com coming. Miguel, have you confessed Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life? And with his power and his help, are you going to live for him for the rest of your life? Based on that confession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come on. And then we have Jimmy Simpson. Come on. Come on. Jimmy, if you confess Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, and with his power and his help, you're going to live for him for the rest of your days. Come on. Based on that confession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come on. Give it up for new life in Christ. Yeah, Come yeah. on. Oh, just stay standing. North Campus Online, stand up if you're not already there. We are, um, I, I don't control all the time factors at the North Campus. I don't know where y'all are. South Campus, you're going to be running late today. Okay, but I ain't quitting. Sorry. So we're going to give thanks to God. 
It ain't going to be long. So, I mean, you can go like an extra seven minutes without lunch, okay? I promise you. You know, when those guys um, dove and jumped, my immediate thought was, man, i got to put a sign up that says shallow, no diving. Um, liability, all that kind of stuff. And I felt a tweak from the Lord. It's like, when you've, when you've tasted hell like some of these guys and God brings you back, you just have to do stuff. So, jump, jump away, just be careful. So we're going to do what the scripture says. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We're going to use our songs. I got two songs. That's all I need you to be part of um, to engage North Campus. I think you got three. I don't know. Father, we just stop and we say thank you. We want you honored. We want you praised. We want you magnified. There's so much you have done in our lives, oh God. Forgive us when we fail to remember all your goodness, when we fail to remember your faithfulness, when we fail to remember. We want more, God. We unashamedly say that, but we don't want to miss what you are doing. Thank you, Almighty God. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Now we ask that you would find pleasure and joy, not just in our songs, but in the lives that we live in the days to come. Impart to us a spirit of gratitude, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.